Welcome to PD Insider, the podcast edition. In each episode, we bring you conversations with experts in the law firm professional development community so that you can stay current on industry trends, topics, and innovations. In this episode, PLI's Craig Miller speaks with Diane Costigan of Winston & Strawn and Don Smith of Kroll & Mooring, who chaired PLI's inaugural PD Appreciation Month program series in November of 2020. Don and Diane unpack their approaches to maintaining and prioritizing wellness initiatives at law firms over the past year. In November of 2020, PLI inaugurated PD Appreciation Month. For the occasion, Diane and Don co-chaired a new series of programs called Empowering Professional Development, Well-Being in the Legal Industry. Each program focused on well-being in a different part of the community, law students, practitioners, and professional staffs. The program was attended by hundreds of PD professionals from all over, and the feedback was wonderful. To gain additional insights, we welcome Diane and Don to PD Insider's first program of 2021. Given the pandemic and the current work situation, how have you seen wellness initiatives within law firms change over the last year? I think for firms like Winston, who had well-being programs in place, we were fortunate that we did have them in place. And I think what we did is we went deeper with them. We saw greater usage of them. And in some cases, we expanded or modified slightly. I think for firms that might not have had such a robust well-being programs, we definitely saw the introduction of programs. We saw you know, greater, uh, a greater focus on mental health and mental health first aid. You know, some firms even brought in, you know, counselors to be on, quote unquote, on site remotely to support their people. And so I think, you know, I think there was both an expansion and an introduction, which was really nice to see. Well, that's great. So it really helped in some ways to be prepared for what took place. It also seems like under the circumstances, working parents seem to be the kind of group that's been uh, really impacted, having both to work from home and, and parent and, and maybe even teach and homeschool all at the same time. Uh, and the American Lawyer Media reports sort of a disproportionate impact because of that on women uh, and people of color. Obviously, that's a kind of talent that law firms really don't want to see exit uh, under these kinds of circumstances. Can you think of or have you seen any solutions or, or means that have been successful in addressing that particular concern? I think it happens on a lot of levels. But, you know, I think there were specific programming that firms did. I know we did a bunch of programming where we had um, child psychologists come in and talk to our parents and give them tips on you know, how to speak to children, how to speak to children when you're stressed, how to set up a productive homeschool environment. And I think we also provided support both on, you know, you can look at it from a firm perspective. We encouraged the, our leaders of practice groups and offices to dialogue about it, make resources available, certainly even specific to teams, encouraging our leaders to check in, make sure they knew what everyone's pandemic situation was. You know, we were also concerned about 
people who might have been quarantining alone, uh, in addition to parents or people who were parenting and doing elder care with their parents. So, you know, I think just being able to provide different sets of resources, we set up, we set up a on our Well at Winston homepage, we set up a whole page that had lots of different resources for parents, whether it was recordings of the programs that we did. Um, we also offer the Calm app to everyone. So we pulled all the things that were very specific to parents and children um, and just other connections to our EAP, which we lean very heavily on. So I think for us, it was a combination of you know, support both on the organizational level, the practice group level, the office level, the team level, and then the individual level, um, while also just giving sort of more on-demand resources, because it's always hard to get any group of people together at the same time where it works for everyone. And then I know, I know some of my colleagues at other firms did support groups for parents where they got different pods of parents together and gave them the framework to have you know, more dialogue and open discussion to share best practices. So I do think um, those were some of the things that I saw that that really helped parents through this yeah. difficult time. Yeah, on the on the individual level that Diane was speaking about, one thing that I, I saw that was increasingly important was communication. Um, people had to communicate that like they've never done before. Um, we had to open up our lives in ways that in the past you may have protected, um, you know, and talk about your family and talk about your needs and, and on in a, in a Zoom or a virtual environment. Um, there's a lot more transparency. So, you know, people had to become more comfortable sharing about their needs because we can't fix something we don't know. Um, and we've had to support and train our partners and our administrators with addressing you know, those needs and being open and, and communicating and dialogue both ways. It sounds like it really took a total organizational effort, uh, but that really empathy and uh, to use your word, Don, transparency, were really the key uh, to managing through this. 2020 was notable for several events, uh, including the, the crisis of racial injustice highlighted by the murder of George Floyd, plus the election and the storming of the Capitol. Now there is a new president and a new Congress. Can you describe how well-being initiatives have been, have been or, or could be used to address inclusiveness and related matters in this context? I think, you know, you, as you go down the litany of things that happened last year, it's, it was a stressful year to say the least. Um, you know, some you could even describe it as traumatic. And, you know, that stress really manifests on many different levels and, and, you know, impact people in different ways. Um, I think having programs to meet people where they are uh, and support them was really important. I think also, you know, one thing when we think about last year and as we come into this year, um, things change and, you know, what worked yesterday or what was stressed you out yesterday may be very different today or, or may impact you differently. And, and, um, sometimes it's even hard to see how it impacts you. And so having existing programs uh, are incredibly important or putting programs in place, uh, building a culture of trust where people understand that the resources you have available um, aren't there to, you know, infiltrate their lifestyles or their systems or, you know, there's no gotcha moments. It's really a sincere attempt uh, to trust and to communicate. 
um, very important. And we saw like everything came at us once last year. And so it really tested our organizations. And I think we learned a lot. And um, I think our attorneys and our organizations are better for it. I agree. We also, for the first time, really thought about making well-being resources for specific groups of our attorneys and staff available. So for example, um, after the murder of George Floyd, we did a few things. We created a platform for all of our black attorneys and staff to be able to get together and to talk openly um, and candidly and um, in a very straightforward way, but one that was met with a lot of um, support. And following from that, we established a few different task forces that looked at um, looked at was what was going on from lots of different angles in a very holistic way, from pro bono to well-being, things like that. And then we also offered uh, a resilience training for all of our Black attorneys and staff, which they, you know, we got very good feedback on, and they felt like it was just a safe way for them to be able to talk about and process what was going on for them. It also gave them some tools. And we also back to our well at Winston site, you know, put some resources specific to our black attorneys and staff. We had resources specific to our Asian Pacific American staff um, and attorneys. So that was something that, you know, that we decided was going to be really important to create for, for people and, you know, I th I'm a big fan of mindfulness and I think, you know, I've had some early discussions with our director, our, our chief diversity officer, I should say, about how can we leverage a tool that we already use that could be helpful in a context like this. Um, so that's very early days, but, you know, Rhonda McGee has a wonderful book and I think, you know, mindfulness itself is gaining a lot of traction in firms on the well-being front and it just seems like a very easy way to expand and leverage such a powerful tool. So uh, having that infrastructure established and then being able to build upon that seems to have been one of the keys to successfully addressing the issues. Yeah. Could I just add one thing, Craig? It's one thing to have resources. You can have as many resources as you want and they can look really pretty on your internal website and you can hold all the training programs on well-being that you know you can fit into a schedule, but you really do need people to use the resources and to show up. And so I do think an important part of this was having leaders, whether it was an office managing partner, you know, the managing partner of a firm, whoever it was, even just the partners that you work with, really encouraging people to make use of the resources. And you know, and I think I think something that we saw this past year is almost an expectation that there would be these resources for people. You know, I had I definitely had office managing partners, executive committee members, practice group leaders reach out and say, hey, you know, we need more, we need this. And, you know, even though it created a little bit of stress and pressure on us, it was just a really, I think it was a real marker of how far the needle has moved. Yeah. And I'll say too, that, you know, our, our firm chair, I didn't have to push it as much as I thought I would because our firm chairman was front and center with communicating um, in an empathetic way and, and a, um, but a very direct and transparent way about the firm's support for the adversity that we were going through. Um, we, we too had a website, it was called Kroll Care. So I guess firms love alliterations, yep. <laughs> but um, 
you know, the head of our uh, executive committee, she drove that and, and she met with us weekly and we developed it. And, and similar to Diane's website, you know, we had resources for various groups and had, you know, different levels of communication. And, you know, we definitely supported it, but our firm leadership drove that. And I think it really helped uh, us navigate through all of the twists and turns of last year. Yeah. With, well, with respect to firm leadership, I mean, their roles have shifted too, as they make decisions on matters like health or public health, uh, which is a responsibility they might not have contemplated, you know, prior to uh, February of 2020. Um, so how, how are PD professionals uh, supporting the firm's leaders in facing these new challenges? I try to serve in a uh, advisory role, um, a supportive role. I, you know, my job is to be an expert in, in certain areas and advise them and, you know, let them choose the best way and the best path. Um, you know, our, our leaders are very strong at Kroll. And so they very much have ideas, but they're very open to hearing from other people. And so I, you know, feel very welcome to share my thoughts and my insights um, you know, we know we are, we have this kind of idea that we are you know, better together and, and we think um, collectively, but they have a strong voice. Um, one thing I, I do do is I try to check in on them and, and you know, I, I have a great deal of empathy for them. You know, they have not only people's compensation and the health and well-being of the firm, but, uh, you know, we saw last year people's personal health sometimes uh, and they're not healthcare providers and they're not, you know, nor are we. And so, you know, trying to encourage as they encourage us to take breaks and as they encouraged well-being, you know, I, I found myself having to check in and, and making sure that the, you know, burning the candle at both ends and the sleepless nights didn't really impact them because we need they, we need them here as well um, to lead us to, you know, today. So in many ways, they our leaders were the people we were worried about often um, for all the reasons Don said. And I think also it's important to remember that in addition to all the stuff that you mentioned, Craig, that happened in 2020, life happened to people in 2020 as well. You know, we saw people who had parents who were dying of cancer. We had people who got divorced. We had people who had issues with their children. And, and many times that fell solely on the leader of the practice group, the office. So a lot of our time behind the scenes often was get, making sure they had the resources to give to the people that they were dealing with, and including ourselves as a potential resource in those situations. But, you know, I, I don't know how many times I talked to our employee assistance program people this year getting resources on how to support a colleague who's grieving, how to support a colleague who has something traumatic going on in life. Um, so I think in a lot of ways, it was connecting them with resources, making sure they had what they needed to be effective in whatever role they were showing up for. And, I, you know, I can't tell you how many times I would be coaching either a partner or an associate on who are on the same team on stress. And really at the end of it, it was, they just weren't communicating the deadline of something, something as simple as that, you know, just having clarity of expectations and deadlines. Um, and I think of course, when we're stressed, we aren't communicating as effectively as possible. And we're also not able to think as creatively as possible. So sometimes you can't even, you're not resourced enough to even figure out, well, how can I get myself out of this stressful situation? So I think we saw a lot of doing all of that, both on the individual, sometimes even the team level. It's, it's interesting. I mean, while we're, we've all been remote 
uh, from our usual uh, you know, post in our organizations. In some ways, we've had to become more connected than ever before just to, just to make sure of what you know, the health and well-being of, of, of our teams and, and, and our ability to accomplish uh, you know, what we need to accomplish professionally. Can you describe how you've coached your teams to build resiliency to help them navigate these uncharted waters? Sure. For me, um, we, number one, we change the structure of our team meetings as an example. And so what we do now is we start for the last year, we started off our meetings with a pretty hefty icebreaker where we spend time just spending time with each other, just being present, talking about, you know, not necessarily about the pandemic or, or racial justice. Sometimes we do, uh, but silly stuff or, you know, learning more about each other, which I think helps connect, um, connect our team. Uh, the second thing I do is I try to communicate updates. You know, I'm often privy to information that they're not. And so I try to be as transparent as possible and as appropriate with them on, on week-to-week, day-to-day updates. And so there's a, a, a matter of our meeting that's just, you know, kind of updates. Um, and then the last kind of aspect of our meetings, I just let them answer, ask questions, and I answer questions to the best of my ability. And I'm honest about it. There's sometimes where I can't provide an answer, and I'll tell them. Um, sometimes I just don't know, and I'll tell them. But to the most part, I try to, you know, really address, you know, their needs and their concerns on a collective basis and then follow up individually. Um, you know, I think transparency is really important um, An increase in empathy, incredibly important. Um, being specific with your expectations, you know, really good, you know, to reduce anxiety when people know exactly where we're going to the best of our ability. And, and when we don't know, to be honest about it. Um, Encouraging resilience, you know, talking about it, not having an, you know, an over, you know, an overdrawn out expectation, but also reinforcing um, the concept, being flexible and patient. You know, sometimes things may take a little longer. Um, sometimes things may not come out the same way and being, you know, understanding that that helps build trust. Um, and then the last one, be realistic. You know, things weren't going to turn out the way they were going to turn out in 2019 and 2020. Things aren't going to turn out in 2021 as they do um, in 2020. So, you know, for me, as long as people are sincere and working hard and doing their best, that's the number one rule for my team. Um, and, you know, something that, you know, that respect and that, you know, hopefully they respect me as a leader and, and I respect them all as contributors to our cause. And, and it's hopefully keeping us together. Yeah, those are great points. Uh, and you really recognize reality and be flexible with your people, I think, are other main considerations there. That's very good advice. Just thinking back about skills, specific skills, are there things that you can suggest or recommend for the lawyers uh, that they use to support or enhance their own well-being, things they can do for themselves? Sure. So, you know, a couple of things that I really promote is number one, I think it's one of the um, least appreciated skill is listening you know, really listen, not just to other people, but listen to yourself. You know, when it comes to well-being, we often, you know, go, 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 and don't stop and, and listen to ourselves. Um, you know, this last couple of years, all of the things that we were going, 2020 was a real test of our values and our character and our integrity, some really almost our souls sometimes. And that takes much more of a toll than, you know, a sleepless night or the stress of an assignment, however they were piled on top of each other. So, you know, listening 
all around, you know, making sure that you're listening to your colleagues as they face those things. You know, Craig, you mentioned earlier the stress of being a parent and a teacher and a babysitter and a, a attorney and a counselor. Like it's just a lot. So, you know, that listening, uh, adaptability and flexibility, very important. You know, the resilient stuff that we, we coach and talk about um, conflict management, not just the macro, but the small things, you know, it's, it's the death by a, a thousand paper cuts that, you know, this time has challenged us with, and, and we don't recognize it because we're thinking about things like social justice. or we're thinking about things like school, not being out or my childcare provider, you know, calling in sick. Um, you know, the economy was a big question at, at some point crisis communication, how to listen to the feedback that we're receiving and also how to communicate when you're super stressed out. You know, those are skills that I think it's really important for us to take a couple of minutes and to recognize and, and talk about. Um, having servant leader mindsets, really, really important. We needed each other more than ever last year. And it was great because most of our organizations forced us to come together. And I think the people who did the best, the organizations who did the best, you know, were really in it for each other. And, you know, I, I think, I hope that, you know, yesterday showed, you know, that's something that's important to our country, uh, but it's so important to our organizations and our teams. So, uh, and then that growth mindset, I think going into 2021, you know, we, we have come through 2020 and, and, you know, recognize that no one has a crystal ball, who knows what's you know going to happen next week, but, you know, think about building on the experiences that we've had, being thankful for the experience that experiences that we've had. Um, and, you know, being better tomorrow. I just would add, and I agree with everything Don said, I, I spend a lot of time talking to people, our lawyers and staff about just staying on top of stress, right? The question this past year is not, are you stressed? It's how stressed are you? And what I've been encouraging people to do and trying to follow my own advice is to really, if you can start your day with a neutral nervous system, right? So if you can do something in the morning, whether it's exercise, meditation, journaling, quiet reading, like not looking at your phone right away, just something where you start your nervous system, at least at neutral, if not optimized. And then as you go through your day, chunking your day into two, three or four chunks. And when you leave one chunk, you know, your morning chunk before you go into your afternoon chunk or break for lunch, like checking in each time and saying, okay, on a scale of one to 10, how stressed am I? And based on your answer, doing something that's going to reset your nervous system then, right? So that you're constantly resetting and coming back. Because I think what's happened for a lot of people over this past year is they're just trying to white knuckle through and they get to like six or seven o'clock when they may have to then open just their door and do like their night job. And then you're going to that job already really compromised. And then it can lead to unhelpful choices about what we eat and drink. And then we don't sleep well. And then you start and it kind of all goes over. So if you can really be diligent, uh, it doesn't matter what your stress management tool is, whether it's you know, taking a quick dance break, going outside for a walk, walking the dog, watching a funny YouTube video, whatever you can do, even three minutes to reset several times a day, I think can really um, help people stay at least somewhat on top of stress. Yeah, great points. Um, and, you know, in terms of reset, of course, Don referenced yesterday, which was the inauguration of the new president. Uh, 
and now, of course, we we see the start of a of a vaccine rollout, um, and and firms are talking and to some degree planning about uh, what a return to the office might be, uh, and the changes you know it could entail for attorneys and staff. Uh, first, I was curious: Do you hear anything yet about it? And then, uh, moreover, you know, are there strategies to prepare and to help individuals with the adjustment to going back? I think it's been a little bit quiet because I think we've all learned to not plan too far ahead in terms of logistics anyway, because it can change. And so, but what I would imagine we'll see is um, even though we all had to go remote in a very abrupt way, I think we'll probably see more phasing into going back to the offices. And I think it'll initially probably be voluntary like it is at most firms now who have offices that are open. So I I think we'll probably have a little bit more of a slow roll into getting back. I think what will be helpful is kind of what we've talked about, um, especially for leaders or managers to think about things both on the team and individual level. So I think by the time we go back to the offices, managers will have a good sense of individuals who might have more anxiety about going back or might have more trouble going back because they've got six kids at home or somebody, something I heard someone had six kids at home the other day. I couldn't even believe it. Um, so I, I think leaders will have a good idea of who will maybe need a little bit more support. Um, and then I think there, it will be good to have things on the programmatic and group level. And so, you know, we, for example, have at least four well-being touches a month with people currently, I, I would imagine we would keep that, you know, whether we do, we usually do one live program, we have a mindfulness pop-up, we have a wellness Wednesday pop-up, and then we always send a once a month resources that link back to the Calm app and things we have on the website. So we will continue that and then we'll modify as needed, whether we add more, maybe we have four wellness Wednesdays as we phase in, maybe we'll have less. So, but I, I think that will be one of those times where you probably can't over-resource people. Um, You know, we were kind of worried about over-resourcing people this past year, but the feedback we kept getting was, you know, even if I'm not using those resources, it's just helping me to know that they're there. So. Yeah. Yeah, I I think we're ready to go back. Remember we thought we were going back last June, you know, and, and so we've, we've planned going back like 20 times now. And, and uh, Diane made the point earlier is that we, are a little slower to, um, you know, react every time we hear that news, but I agree. I I think it's going to be a a slow transition back. Um, I actually think it'll be a lot easier going back than it was to leave. And, um, you know, there's going to be so many things to celebrate and and be thankful for when that time comes. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think part of recognizing reality is understanding that it's impossible to peg a date or that type of thing. And and uh, I think in the early stages, many organizations were trying to do that. And I know uh, post-Labor Day was supposed to be a, a big one in New York, and it did not materialize. And after about a week or two, most organizations sort of, you know, cooled out on that uh, as well and realized it was just going to have to play it by ear. Uh, which I think does help relieve the stress, knowing that, you know, everyone, most people are starting to understand and, and, and live within the nature of the issue that we're trying to deal with. All right, great. Uh, well, thank you. I'd like to thank my guests, Diane Costigan and Don Smith for sharing their insights. 
We look forward to you joining us for another edition of PLI's PD Insider. This is Craig Miller of the Practicing Law Institute. Thank you, be safe, and be well.